Welcome to this week's edition of the Retail Risk Podcast, sponsored by Axis Communications. Thanks to our supporting partners, 3X Logic, Mighty, and Aura. Now, my guest this week is Terry Strether from Oakwood Training. Now, Terry uh, is well known to many of you that listen to the podcast, a mental health and personal safety expert extensive experience both a frontline practitioner and trainer now terry's worked with global retailers as well as security and loss prevention teams um, i love the fact that terry believes normalizing and demedicalizing the conversation around mental health is important and essential for meaningful change and essential also for bottom line benefit of retailers and businesses also terry's a former frontline officer and supervisor in the police and has first-hand experience of managing personal crisis both for members of the public and staff terry as always welcome thank you for having me paul great to be here lovely yeah, very good um good to uh, finally press record as always you and i were chatting away incessantly <laughs> for far too long before we got underway with this week's podcast now um there's something that um you kicked off i and many other others thought was a terrific idea there's been quite a lot of work done on it um and without stealing any of your thunder, would you like to start to give uh, our audience a little bit of an overview of what's been going on? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. And, and thank you for your involvement in the project. We're really excited about it. And, you know, from what we're hearing of people who are in the industry, um, they're excited about it too. So we're talking about our little initiative, which is called the Wellbeing in Retail Project. So we, we've launched a, a survey as part of a, a project to understand what well-being in the retail space looks like. Now, there's plenty of other surveys out there. Lots of them are quite generic and they don't speak to the retail space itself. So what we've tried to do is understand where is well-being now? How is it viewed? And more importantly, what are the barriers that might be preventing good well-being in the retail sector, which we know has many, many challenges, and I'm sure you've spoken about it on your podcast many times, but, you know, not least things like violence against staff, recruitment and retention, you know, well-being, all these things are really, really key and fundamental to good well-being of people. Uh, and so we want to try and understand what are the barriers, because so often with the companies that we work with, they've got brilliant intranet statements, they've got mission value statements about how they value their people and want to get the best out of them. And that's admirable. And, and, and it's a fantastic start. But when you talk to people on the ground, or when you talk to first line managers, there's some real challenges and obstacles that prevent those mission values from actually taking on a life of their own and becoming real. So lots of different moving parts of the project, but ultimately it's to try and understand where we are now, what are some of the barriers, and more importantly, what can we do about them so that we come to well-being 2.0, if you like. What even is that in the future of retail? Yeah, and it's interesting there, you're right, you know, lots of retailers have sort of made statements around you know prioritizing mental health and understanding you know the implications of the increased violence that that's been you know unfortunately making its way onto the shop floor but i, I guess you're one of the first that's actually gone out and then asked the shop floor if they feel that that those messages are, are cascading down so mm. you came up with this idea was it you know where did you start you went and got a few um people on board validated that that the idea was was right you know talk me through the process because i'm really impressed where you've got to at this point but yeah oh, thank the you. journey's yeah. always fascinating as well 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, a lot of our clients are in the retail space, as you know, we don't solely work in retail, but you know, I've, I remember being introduced at some conferences and speaking gigs as the well-being in retail guy, and which is amazing to me because I've never actually directly worked in retail myself, but I find it fascinating. Um, so what we did was speak to our, our existing clients. You know, we, we um, have some very, very good relationships with the likes of yourselves and with others. And, and we were trying to understand, okay, what, what are the real world um, issues here and, and because a lot of it is just um, academic theory or, or, or stuff that's put out by organizations that don't really understand it so let's speak to the clients let's see if if we're even onto something or are we wasting our time completely is it covered elsewhere and by far away the resounding feedback that we got was that yeah this is a question that needs to be asked and it's well worth investigating you know because I think a lot of people have pre-existing ideas about number one what well-being is and number two, the focus seems to be solely around mental health. So, I mean, for example, CIPD, and we're working closely with the CIPD on, on this project, they've come, they've released their mental health and well-being in the workplace uh, very recently. And they found that over half of organizations have a well-being strategy, but half of them are focusing solely on mental health. So just, and when I say mental health, I think what we actually all know we mean is mental illness. So we're talking about things like depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, and the various labels and diagnoses. But far fewer people were looking at what are the work conditions like where we are? You know, have we created a good working environment? Far fewer were looking at what are the opportunities for our people to grow and explore, you know, and, and, and uh, be the best that they can be within the sector. And even far fewer than that, we're looking at how do we ensure financial security or financial well-being of our people and we know that these are absolutely key you know especially in, a, in an industry that's struggling for like recruitment and retention of the best people you know you've got to hold on to these people when you get them and we know that one of the key drivers of that is this motivation factor and motivation is all about can i be the best that i can be have i got autonomy and control over my workload as much as reasonably possible of course because you know you've still got shifts you've still got to make sure that you've got people in in where they need to be of course um and then purpose was key. So three foundations to this, you know, autom you know autonomy, you know, in other words, how much control do I have? Have I got the opportunity to best that I to be the best that I can be? And what's my purpose? Why am I doing this? And not many people were thinking about that. So that was the process. We spoke to our clients, they told us it was a goer. We managed to get um, a, a few really well known brands to, to sign up to this and to say, yes, this is something that we're going to throw our weight behind. So you know, we're really, really lucky to have the likes of AS Watson, of course, who, who own Superdrug, um, Boots, Nick, Next, Halfords, Amazon, even Green King from a different perspective, Colgate Palmolive, we're talking to them as well. And they're on our steering group alongside yourself, Paul. We've got you on board as well. We've got representatives from the Charity Retail Association too, because this is often a sector I think that's forgotten from the retail world. And, you know, they have such a massive presence on our high streets. They are a huge retailer. And so we've included them as well to get a truly complete picture. Uh, so where we're at now is we're at survey stage. We've got a survey out there, which is specifically for managers. Um, so we're not talking to people on the front line at the moment, but rather the first line supervisors who may be working within the retail space uh, to try and understand the barriers. Um, and then we hope to report on that at the end of July. And, and in terms of, I mean, I know because I was you know, fortunate to be part of it, but, you know, the the willingness and you've, you've listed some of the brands there. And, and you know, I know there's a, there's a whole host of other that help yeah. to shape the questionnaire that went out so it was very very focused on not being another questionnaire but what what's actually trying to be achieved here and what's relevant so the questionnaire's gone out so i guess two parts to that can you give a, a couple of examples of the type of things that are being 
asked. So, you know, what, mm. what's that going to bring back? And then secondly, you know, you mentioned it's gone out. What's the what's the objective here? You know, I know the first report is, is going to come back shortly, but how many people are you trying to get in? What's the scale of this? Yeah, we want as many people as we can get obviously you know and what we're doing is to try and incentivize people to make them feel like they're doing you know a good thing because let's be honest people are surveyed out right and that was one of the things that we heard back from our steering group so when we were asking them about you know how do we do this how do we understand what the true scale or nature of the problems are and what the potential opportunities are um but one of the first feedbacks was look we're, we're surveyed out so unless we complete that cycle or give people a purpose or a reason for doing it, it's highly unlikely that we're going to get a massive response rate. So one of the things we decided to do pretty early doors was to make a donation, a charitable donation for every survey that we receive. We're donating two pounds to a, a charity um, who we're supporting locally. So it's a, it's a fantastic reason to, to get people to actually sit down and not only think, yes, I'm going to be making a change for the retail space as a whole and the retail sector as a whole, but I'm also doing good in the charity sector, too. Um, so that, that was uh, the first the first thing I'd say. Um, the kind of questions that we're asking, Paul, are, are about understanding the real world. Mm. You know, it's, it's about understanding, OK, so it's all very well having a policy, but but what are the barriers that perhaps are coming in to prevent you from implementing that policy fully? Or what are the challenges that you're facing? Or what does it look like um, where you work specifically? Um, so we're really after individual experiences and like most surveys, of course, there are some drop down options and some ticky boxy type answers because that's a really uh, efficient way of collecting data. But one of the things that we wanted to do as well was give people the opportunity to add their own thoughts. And so unlike others, we've included a couple of questions which are all about free text, which are actually tell us what you think. So rather than being told what the problems are and just asked to choose, or these are the main problems, choose which one, or given one little box at the bottom that just says other, you know, there's actually open paragraph text now where we can actually hear from the personal stories and the personal um, views of people on the ground. So that's what, how we're trying to differentiate and separate what we're doing. Yeah, and, and I, you know, I think you're quite right, you know, getting getting people on the ground. So, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming we're going to start to see get some kind of barometer for the for the disconnect or not between yeah. what companies are trying to do and what people are a feeling on the ground. Now, you alluded to the fact that the initial documentation findings are going to be presented. Did you say in, in July? Yeah, we're we hoping close to a first first wave of, of information coming out. Yeah, right. So we're hoping to get the, uh, the, the, the survey closes end of July. And then, of course, there's going to be some analysis and our data people are really looking forward. And we've already had so many responses in there working through them already to try and collate it all into a meaningful document. And of course, what we plan to do as well is potentially involve the steering group and, and ask them, OK, so what does it actually mean to provide some context around some of the things that we're hearing? Um, some, some real world context. So, again, we're not guessing or making assumptions. We're speaking to people who are actually in the space who understand it. So, yeah, interesting. So the, the, the data people are currently locked in a room sweating in anticipation <laughs> of being let loose on this uh, vast array of answers. Um, they are in this way, though. Just, just going to come on in a minute to uh, uh, to run through, you know, if you like, the next stages and how the promotion and how people can get sight of this. But uh, uh, we are a podcast and we do have sponsors. So we're just going to take a quick break and hear from them. And then we'll be right back. For every type of business, the power of a data-driven security video management system designed to give you total control anywhere, anytime, 3xLogic. So welcome back to this week's edition of the Retail Risk Podcast. I am, of course, still talking to Terry Strether from Oakwood Training. Now, um, 
fabulous uh, you know information that's uh, that's being collected and i think you know a lot of people listening will be interested to i don't know hopefully maybe even uh, participate in um, you know contributing to the survey which will still be open when they're listening to this as well as finding out the information that will be coming out so um, when is this going to start to be public in terms of the data yeah, no worries. So we are looking to close um, at the end of July. That's when the survey closes. We're going to give our uh, our analysts uh, some ample opportunity to, to get stuck into the data because of the complexity of it. It's not just simply tick box, if you remember. So we were speaking about free text. And of course, that takes more time to analyze and get some perspectives on. And so we're going to be looking to publish a report in September. We've got Retail Risk Leicester, 6th of October at the King Power Stadium, as always. And we haven't quite finalized what that uh, format will look like and who's going to access it but I know we've had conversations about getting you on stage on a round table in a locked room propping the bar up or whatever it might be where people <laughs> can get access to this um, your website we're going to promote it um, did you say you're going to reach out to all of the steering committee to to propagate as well is that the intention oh absolutely yeah so our steering group you know they're doing what they can to try and circulate this internally within the businesses which i think is fantastic but then also using their own personal networks to try and get this information as far as what and wide as possible so that the most benefit most people benefit from it i suppose and and you know i'm assuming that there's going to be some data and some call to actions and some gaps between expectations and reality mm -hmm. what's the What's the big hope of the survey? What would define success once this has been published and, and how are you going to measure that success? That's a great question because that in itself is part of as part of the, 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 the process, is, is part of the program, is to understand what does success look like. You know, so we're actually asking people how how do you measure well-being? You know, what does it even look like? It's, it's one of those uh, really difficult things to measure in most organizations. So uh, managers are in a really unique position to be able to know what works and what doesn't. And, and they have ideas. And that's what we're trying to tap into here. So how would we measure what a successful well-being in retail program looks like? And that's one of the questions. So your guess is as good as mine, Paul. What does success look like? We'll wait and see, shall we? I, I am hoping that on the back of this, you know, there's a little byline in uh, in the Oxford English uh, on on the definition that that's got a credit to Oakwood. Maybe, maybe that's where we'll go. That'd be awesome. <laughs> because you know, in, in all seriousness, though, you know, we for many many years, and it's a, you know, it's a it's a major subject for retail, but there was no agreement, and there still isn't agreement. But there's a few agreed versions of definition of shrinkage or loss, hmm. um, and for decades. People used to talk about your shrink figure, your loss figure, 1%, half a percent, you know, 0.2%. I know when I went to work for Aldi, you know, the, the barometer and the bar was set much lower than was the norm in the UK all those years ago. And although people don't operate the same, some include costs, some at retail, there are a number of agreed definitions. So at least when you're talking about your stock loss figure, your shrinkage figure, you can reference that by saying, yes, we follow pattern A, pattern B, pattern C. And there's probably three main routes you can go down. I guess if we start to get to the point where this becomes an agreed definition and others may have other definitions, and that's OK, too. We're a democracy. Now, as, as, as appealing as a, as a dictatorship is, 
for getting stuff done. We're in the democracy business. So um, I, I guess that would be considered a success if you become and then evolve one of those key definitions. That'd be incredible. At least we'd all have something to measure against, right? Um, because at the moment, we're all kind of drawing arbitrary lines in the sand, uh, which is part of the problem when it comes to measuring return on investment. Uh, and we know that, you know, CRPD have certainly published recent data, which suggests that since the pandemic began, year one, uh, fairly large investments in well-being, year two, not so much. You know, so I wonder how do we, you asked me what success looks like. Um, for me, one of the key drivers is, is about making sure that well-being is constantly on the agenda and we don't have to keep continuously justifying it with return on investment data. You know, it just becomes success looks like well-being just being the foundation of how a good business operates, looking after its people. Success looks like those mission value statements actually being lived and experienced by everyone in the business, not just those above a certain pay grade or at a certain level. I suppose that's what ultimate success would look like. But hey, I'm on my soapbox now, Paul. Well, but, but I would also say, going on that, you know, if if all of that good practice and looking after your staff delivers a return on investment, then there really should be no battle year on year. You know, um, so you won't be the the cost guy or the no guy. You know, you'll be the you know, the mental health success guy, you know, yeah. and you're going to sell far more books and get far more speaking slots being known as that guy than, than, <laughs> than, than the no guy. So, yeah, I think, I think, you know, it's been needed. Um, people have been flailing around a little bit. And when you go to present for, you know, an initiative for investment, um, for a shift in policy, the reality is, even though it is the right thing to do, if it's backed up by a strong business case and your staff retention is higher and yep. your staff are happier and so they work better, in brackets, faster and more efficiently and they're more diligent, the staff are happier, you know, uh, the business does better and then everybody benefits. And I think you know, what you're doing and the people that you've brought on board and that array of retailers that you've got together. Um, and then there's some, you know, people on the periphery like me that can possibly help to, to propagate. I think, you know, you're really onto something in terms of providing absolute value for retail. So, you know, I'm already expecting that you're planning on version two for next year with an even bigger steering committee. So I'm going to tell anybody listening to this, just look up Terry on on LinkedIn or send it to me and we'll forward it on because this feels like it needs to be a constant evolution. You know, the Oxford English adds to its definitions every year. So don't, don't be thinking this is a, this is a one year project and then Terry's done and out. I think you've just got yourself a, an ongoing project. Well, that sounds awesome. And I'm well up for the challenge. Well up for the challenge. Because, you know, it, it, it is. But I think for years we've known anecdotally that what is good for people is good for business. You know, and, and wouldn't it be awesome? There is data out there. There is, there is some hard and fast stats to back that idea up. But wouldn't it be great if we could make that specific to retail? So, yeah. So, there. I, I think, you know, looking forward to the results coming out. I think there's a good plan uh, coming online in terms of propagating the data. Um, just one final question for you slightly moving away from that uh, and maybe put you on the spot i'm always interested to know what people are up to what's taking the bulk of your time um clearly i must have paused uh, over your posts on linkedin 
uh, enough that you always seem to be on my LinkedIn feed, working with some amazing companies. So just give us a, a little flavor of what are you doing, what people are asking you to support them with at the minute, because I think that's fascinating for a little snapshot of, of where retailers, we've got the survey, but, but you know what else is going on in the world? Oh, absolutely. Plenty is going on in the world. That's right. I mean, if anything, the pandemic has really heightened the focus on not only well-being, but also the other side of our business, which is conflict management. And, you know, particularly in the retail space, as you know, I mean, there's all sorts of reasons why, you know, the, the, the statistics are, sh are shocking, you know, with the numbers of violence and abuse directed at staff. And for many, many years, we've just kind of assumed they know how to deal with it, um, left up to life skills. Um, so we're very, very busy now as employers and retailers realize that actually maybe we need to help people because a lot of a lot of people don't actually have those skills just naturally. And sometimes the actions of staff can actually trigger or make things worse. And of course, that feeds into my, my state of well-being, my state of mind when I'm coming into the workplace. If I'm walking into a, a, in a workplace that's got CCTV and steel shutters and security guards that are six foot nine and, you know, weigh 18 stone with body cams on and it's, it's stab vests and it can be really quite intimidating. And all of this stuff feeds into the same melting pot. So we're busy now making the connection, as we have been for years, but even more so, making the connection between well-being and conflict management and, and, and helping understand what we can do to actually diffuse and de-escalate conflict so that it's good for our well-being. We're also trying to explore how that uh, feeling, that state of mind, can actually lead to better efficiency. It can lead to more creativity. It can lead to better happiness. So, so we're, we're linking performance and well-being which for a lot of people, that's a much preferable language, uh, to be honest, rather than keeping it fluffy and away from the whole spa days and, and, and manicures. Let's talk about real world well-being. What does that actually mean? Well, these are the benefits. You know, we've been working on specific uh, requests from clients who want um, e-learning, for example, you know, specific courses that they would like developing because we're in this virtual world. But one of the biggest projects we're working on at the moment is uh, 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 an equivalent, if you like, to a mental health first aider type role. So this is for our international clients who have offices all over the world. Uh, and some of the restrictions, which I won't go into because of how mental health first aid is structured, means that you can't offer it in all of those countries. You have to go to specific individual countries. So we've identified a bit of a gap in that if I, as an employer or as a retailer, a global retailer, if I want to try and give my message and my staff a consistent voice, a consistent vocabulary message, whilst still allowing for cultural and language uh, variation, um, how do I do that? At the moment, you can't. So what we've been doing is developing some products which we can then, uh, on a modular basis, shift and change and tailor almost so that they are relevant to those international audiences whilst maintaining a common tone and a vocabulary. That's been taking up a vast majority of our time. I'll bet you're glad you asked. <laughs> no, it, um, it, it just made me smile, listening to that. It, it is so overdue, uh, you know, thinking back to a long time ago, but, you know, uh, you know, having three stitches from the, uh, and, and it sounds comedic and people laughed at the time, but from the, the sort of the barrage of tins of tuna and salmon that were thrown at me as a store manager trying to tackle uh, some shoplifters clearing the shelves um, to then coming outside and finding uh, the car on four flat tires and, and, uh, and, and sort of uh, battered to bits. Uh, and the extent of the support was a sort of, 
take the afternoon off. You'll be fine. See you tomorrow. Send 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 us a receipt for the taxi till the car's fixed. Yeah, and yeah. That, that 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 was it. It's sort of leaving the store, left to your own devices, sort of just patching the blood up a little bit. Uh, You're all right, aren't you? Pat on the shoulder if you were lucky. You're all right, aren't you, Paul? That's right. Well, what do you expect? It's, uh, you know, it's a store, you know, you're at such and such a, you know, location, shall we say, without... It's just uh, part of the job, a phrase that I heard many, many times in my old job. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Is it? Right, okay. Yeah, it's it's a risk of the job, no question. Mm. But should it ever really be accepted as part of the job? Yeah. I think so. Uh, yeah. Laws yeah. against that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I think, you know, it, it, it is long overdue. I'm so pleased that, you know, an ever increasing number of retailers are not just playing lip service to it, uh, but are actually getting behind it. And because, you know, people like yourself and others are showing the benefit. Yes. It really is. You, you're going to be the odd one out if you're not going down this route. So, you know, putting mental health first aiders, and providing data to back up, you know, reasons why everybody should get on board with this, then, you know, I think wholeheartedly support. And I love the fact you're taking away the, uh, you know, there's a time and a place for the fluffy language. And of course, it's, you know, it's part of it. Excuse me. But it's also, you know, it needs to be delivered in a way that resonates for all audiences as well. I think you're doing a terrific job of bringing that forward as well. Well, thank you, Paul. It's one of the one of the key things that we we sort of established our business on was that you know the message is really important, but as important as the message is the messenger mm. and the way it's delivered. Can I connect with this person? Are they a real person, or are they you know? And I mean no disrespect at all when I say this because fabulous work goes on by 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 you know people with qualifications and academics and all that. Or are they a person who is perhaps in you know coming towards retirement and has only ever worked in HR away from the shop floor? You know, they've got a, an idea and a perspective of these things, but you don't know what it's like for me actually working behind the till or, or hanging new clothes and putting new stock out on the shelves. You know, you, you don't have that concept. So connecting with the audience for us and speaking in a real human way is so very important. I mean, most of the stuff that academics put out with its in-depth, uh, you know, not easy to digest, you know, verbiage and terminology just doesn't resonate and and you know you get one or two that sort of bang on about the benefits but that's it it stops you know and you've got some amazing research that's been done over the years that just sits on the desk and looks impressive yeah so there's no point at all so long make it terry always an absolute pleasure i'll leave it there before uh we uh we, we start to act as more of a sort of lullaby for people talking on for far too long sending them to sleep um uh, <laughs> again for those that want to follow up with either um, taking part in the future, getting the results as they come out or listening to presentations, then check out uh, uh, the QR code, which will pop up again at the end of Terry and I's chat. Terry will be at Retail Risk Leicester on the 6th of October, but this information will be available elsewhere. So feel free to reach out to either of us on LinkedIn. But Terry, for now, absolute pleasure. I will no doubt see you in person in the near future. Um, And for everybody else, thank you very much indeed. Thanks for having me.